Welcome back to Cross Culture, a podcast that explores the multicultural experiences and cross-cultural amusings of two Asian dudes living here in sunny and currently very rainy Singapore. At least the rain stopped right now. Yeah, it's a great day today. And uh, this is Sunit here, the Indian dude. And Eric, the Filipino dude, looking outside the window to see if it's still raining. So, Sunit, we've been gone for, what, four months. Um, I guess we got busy with our lives. You experienced a few personal struggles. Absolutely. Um, you got busy. I had two kids. You have a ton of work. Yeah. Holidays has just become about, like, me catching up on cooking dishes um, yeah, like probably I crammed in six months worth of cooking during the holidays. Yeah, I, I've seen that you've been improving your, your baking skills a lot. Uh, I see the pizzas are getting better. I can't wait to try it. No, pizzas. No, you were in my house. What did you, what did I serve you? Um, did we talk, no, you didn't do Mexican night. We did, uh, pot pie. Oh, that was the first. Yes. That's the first time I did pot pie. I think I should do more pot pie. Anyway, what's been going on with you, Sunit, well, since uh, we were gone? I mean, obviously, um, I think um, one of the main things that happened to us was a great loss for us of a near and dear friend of ours, right? which was a big sort of um, big road bump that I personally hadn't faced in my sort of adult life. Um, with the loss of somebody who is so close to us. Yeah. Um, which is hard. And, and physically close, considering that we're in Singapore. Yeah. And usually, especially in times of COVID, I've, I've heard people die, and, but they're just like somewhere else out there. We can't really feel that impact. This person was right here with us. Uh, uh, he was a close friend. I see him. He was actually technically my neighbor too. And he didn't even die because of COVID. He died for other health reasons, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so think of this episode as a, as a big dedication to him. Um, and yeah, so it, since then, it was a lack of motivation. Um, you know, work took over. And uh, it's been a while for me to get back into the groove. But that being said, I think we are back on the horse. And I think we are motiv- more motivated than ever to... Um, to, to do be doing more this? of these, yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Let's see what happens. We need more topics. I'm gonna. We'll get to that. I think. Yeah, this. and hey, our listeners, if there are topics that you guys would love to hear more about from us, um, just drop us a line uh, at. Um... Well, no, you, you, you. <laughs> I don't know how that works actually. <laughs> considering, I think you can go to the anchor page. No, but you can drop us a note at crossculturedpodcast at gmail.com. Crossculturedpodcast podcast at gmail.com. So that's crossculturedpodcast. I, I made that name so that's easier to say. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Anyway, 2020. 2020 to 2021. What a year, man. What a year. Yeah. I don't to feel about it do you i guess it sucks it sucks for everyone i guess um and and i guess we're here to f- kind of recap the year maybe not our personal lives because well you know there's a lot that happened i'm sure uh for you sunit and for me as well but i think we're just here to recap the 2020 the year that we want to forget absolutely <laughs> but but like like all great sort of adversities, we have 
stories to tell about this year. I'm sure like 20 years down the line or 30 years down the line, we'll be talking about the year 2020 to our children and grandchildren and tell stories about what it was like to live through one of the sort of monumental seismic shifts in human history. Or modern human history yeah. in more recent times. Anyway, in a poor personal note, what's that one thing that you enjoyed? Like, what did you pick up? Was that one thing that you picked up in 2020 that you enjoyed the most, except, you know, doing the podcast, obviously? Um, I think the, the biggest change for me has been to actually take a step back and... And, and look for my own identity beyond just the work that I do. Whether right. it be through creative pursuits like um, this podcast or whether it be just re reaching out to family and friends on a little bit more consistent basis to help me remind myself that mm -hmm. I am more than just the work that I do. Um, that I have a life, I have friends like, your, like you outside of my... Uh, work zone right um, and to help me find those those other sort of um, identities that are associated with me um, actually that's similar to what I wanted to say obviously I've been unemployed for the most part of the year so I mean you're taught even you know like especially as someone who is Asian uh, who's been who's been largely taught to value like your like you know by his parents or 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 the society that we grew up in uh we've been taught that our value is your profession and what your work is yeah right yeah um what if that's taken away from you like what's your value who the hell are you right right and you're right i did a i did do a lot of self-reflection i did delve in a lot of hobbies including doing this podcast and doing post-production and doing music production for this podcast. I mean, which stuff I'm already familiar with. It's like a lot of these hobbies that I've already had for years, mm. for many years. It's just I I didn't really pick up new hobbies. It's just I, I, I have just realized like, oh, I've been doing a lot of cool stuff on the side for many years. And now I actually have time to do them. I cycle a lot more. I play music a lot more. I actually jam with our with my other friends who are in a band a bit more than usual. Um, run. Actually, you really consider running a hobby? It's kind of lame. I don't know. You, as, <laughs> as long as it brings you joy and and you. No, it find brings it, me pain. Well, there is a there is a weird kind of joy in that. There is a beautiful book by Murakami called. Um, uh, what I think about when I think about running, uh, which was something that was gifted to me by um, our friend's wife. Right. Um, and um, it was one of the best books that I ever read. And it was all about the state that you put yourself into with right. a certain level of um, self-discipline when you pursue a, an activity like running or cycling or whatever it is. Right. There is a meditative side to it. Um, there which, which I associate to running. Yeah. Until my knees hurt. But anyway, continue. Well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that meditative side is incredibly important in a fast-paced life that we live here in Singapore or any big cities in general. True, true, true. That pause is actually what gives the other things that are running through your head more value. That's true. I never really thought of it that way. I, I, I do run 
or cycle for many hours to to experience zen. I mean, fitness obviously, right? I want to look thin, thin-ish, which <laughs> I don't think anyone has achieved. It's a constant struggle. Constant struggle. <laughs> no, no, but like in 2020, really, like I serious. I've never seen anyone lose weight in 2020. I've seen yeah. people work way harder, like work out much, much more, but I don't not seen them lose weight. I have a couple yeah. of examples, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I know yeah, what you mean. You know the saying? majority of the people have, and it's excusable. myself, it's ex- ex- yeah. ex- excusable. I think. Exactly. Anywho, twenty twenty recap. What is? I guess I, I, I might as well start with you, Sunit. Like, one, what are the big trends, or one or few big trends you thought was uh, impactful in the realm of cross culturalism in twenty twenty? Or maybe not cross-culturalism. I know this is the theme of the podcast, but what do you think was like the big themes of 2020 for you in a general kind of, in a general societal, global, or whatever sense? I think one of the big trends that I am seeing is that um, that meditation side of things that we were just talking about, right? right? Um, there is a far greater focus from people around us or in general in the world on health um, and health not and, just and, and not wellness just, yeah health and oh, mental wellness. mental health. correct that was the point that I was trying to make was yeah. that not just physical health but also mental health right um, technology is a, a, a ever present and um, sort of top of mind topic all the while mm-hmm. but we're seeing that the proliferation of technology to even get into this uh, mental health, uh, mental wellness, um, and health space as well. Right. And I think that's a there are great sort of benefits to be had from that. But like all things technology, it also brings out a number of very pressing issues that we need to address. Like, like what? I mean, I've seen Calm even before COVID. I've seen like apps like Calm or. Mm. Headspace was that? Yeah. Or is this British or this 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 English dude that speaks very calmly? Andy Paricom. Andy Paricom. Yeah. You see yourself like disappearing away into the bliss of blah 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 blah. It's like oh fuck, I'm just gonna fall asleep. I mean, that's not really meditation. Right? I'm just gonna fall asleep, which is probably a good right. Thing too, right. But actually, so that was the thing. Like, um, I I started noticing a lot of apps tracking things such as. How well are you sleeping? What are your stress levels like? Oh yeah, the new iOS. Oh, you're not an iPhone, but um, um, iOS updates actually tracks my freaking sleep and my phone activity much more accurately. Yeah, I, you know? I use I use, use Garmin, your, and so Garmin. yeah, um, it does similar things. And this data is so important to us as we are trying to kind of deal with a a global pandemic, the sort of lockdowns that have come with it the sort of mental stress of having to work longer hours as a result of uh, being cooped up at home, yeah. the lines blurring between work and and personal time, yeah. being again cooped up with the same set of people all the time for those who are in a lockdown. Right. right. These are all difficult um, situations which we were never ever prepared to do, right? So we needed like some kind of a respite. I felt like I needed a respite from all of this. Right. But at the same time, I also worry about um, things such as this data being constantly available to some technology company who can then predict um, what my health and wellness looks like. 
and perhaps that data being then sold to or utilized in ways that I haven't thought of yet. Yeah. No, I mean, there's that worry. But as I guess as far as Apple or Google or I don't know which platform are you in right Garmin. now. Garmin. Garmin. I don't think they will. I mean, and, you know, we're, we're not going to delve into that. It depends on the company who's, who's, who's owning that data. There's that fear. I, I know recently WhatsApp announced that um, they'll be sharing your conversational data to Facebook. Yeah. Um, I know, I, I, I think I generally, I, I'm not fearful of that. I know they're not going to leak your messages specifically. But I understand the distrust that comes from that. Because Facebook made a freaking important announcement that, not announcement, a statement some years back that they will never read your messages. Yeah. Now they're going to start serving ads. That being said, Facebook had Messenger. You've been seeing ads in Messenger for years now, right? Mm-hmm. They were trying, they were, they were already doing this in the first place, right? Yeah. So, and you've been, you're still using Messenger. People are still on Facebook as more than ever before. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I know that there's the concerns are valid, um, but we'll see. We'll see. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not concerned about my data. I don't do anything illegal or talk about anything illegal, obviously. But there's that discomfort, obviously, and I, I understand. I think that the, the risk that I think a lot of the world <laughs> is coming to terms with is not the fact that you will your data is. Um, or your data has things about you that will be used against you against you or if they are things that you're saying are legally you know in in gray areas or or that you're expressing an opinion that may not necessarily be popular or whatever i right. think the risk is that when when these data companies start knowing you better than you know yourself and then that data gets utilized to manipulate you which you would probably not see coming, right? Now, sure. we've seen great examples of that with Facebook advertising and all of that. I think, imagine those were just our opinions of... Um, of no, that is that is true. But I guess in 2020, we've seen an uptick on, on, on content and especially that documentary on Netflix. Which one was that one? Uh, the Social, Social Dilemma. dilemma. Social yep. Dilemma. Uh, saying that like, yeah, look... The, platforms have been manipulating us for for the last decade right yeah yeah we're aware but is that really gonna stop me from using them no not really but at least now i'm aware sure but haven't you noticed that your own sort of utilization of those platforms has dramatically reduced i i wouldn't say reduce i'd say it has shifted so quick example and it's probably more unique to 2020 than any other year is that i only largely post Instagram stories that mm-hmm. are ephemeral, like content that disappears, right? Right. Because um, I know, like, I, I post more private stuff and with a select group of people. I don't stop posting, right. but people who are in my Instagram feed, I have a private, actually I have both private and, and Instagram and Facebook profiles, mm-hmm. but the content I post is, gets even more intimate and temporary. That's one. I only post like things on my feed that gets a bit more permanent. Uh, if it's like a like a big occasion, like giving birth and crap like right. that. Right. I think where I'm, I was going with this was that <clears throat> we haven't seen that happen with health data. 
Oh, with, oh. Because health data is far more sensitive. And that's where I was sort of coming down to. It's great that technology is enabling all these amazing use cases. I right. struggle to fall asleep. I use Headspace and Calm and Insight Timer led meditations yeah. all the time <clears throat> to fall asleep. Right. Uh, but I also at the same time worry about what if my sleep or lack of sleep data is then imagine just utilized as a way of saying, um, oh, we seeing that you are you know, less than, you get less than average sleep. So we right. believe that you're not going to be probably as productive as a person. Okay. Imagine a company trying to use that as a matrix of hiring you. Okay. No, I, I get the fear. I doubt that will happen because <laughs> don't forget these legal, these terms and conditions that you click on, like you don't read, like yeah. someone would pick it up. So I think the best way of knowing if that data is being used or not in that way is just first read the terms and conditions mm. and then... I mean, no one's going to do it, obviously. <laughs> but see, I think that's the hard way of like figuring out what they're doing with your data in a legal yeah, sense, right? Yeah. Okay, next. I, I think the next thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is a big trend, and we are we're doing it right now. Right. At, through this podcast, which is a creator culture. Ah. We have seen a proliferation of... Um, of devices, technology that allows anybody to be a creator, whether it is, um, you know, platforms like TikTok that make it super easy. For yeah, you to TikTok is probably the ultimate example. Yeah. Um, of I mean, general my general familiarity with the algorithm is that you have a way better chance of being viral on TikTok because they will plug in your content in between other viral videos. Right. As part of the feed and as part of the algorithm, learning your consumption behavior. Yeah. Fucking TikTok's amazing. I don't know if you've been on it. I don't. It was so addictive. It was like, I felt like this is like, this is probably what like narcotic drug addiction starts yeah. off like. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this is, mind you, this is me after watching Social Dilemmas. Like, oh, I haven't been TikTok in a while. I'm going to go, I'm going to go into the rabbit hole and see how far it takes me. Fuck, it took me in the, into that rabbit hole field with pranks. Like the Munyanyo kid. Oh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about no, it. No, it's just, it's this kid. This is just probably like a like a short Latin teenager in the US yeah. that just goes up to people and screams, <laughs> And then either he starts a fight or he becomes friends with the person because they recognize him. And then it's mostly that. It's that and pranks. And then like Gordon Ramsay plugs in sometimes. And I dwell in the Gordon Ramsay or a cooking video. Probably the next day or in the next few scrolls, I'll see more cooking videos. Right. It's like, shut the fuck up. You know what I want. More than I do. Then I put a cap on it. 30 minutes is too long for anything on Facebook. I don't spend, I don't even spend that much time on Instagram and Facebook anymore. Yeah. I spend time posting on those because I know I have built intimate relationships in my private account. Yeah. Now, coming back to your creator culture trend. No, you're right. TikTok is the ultimate example. There's people like us, one of thousands, tens of thousands that probably started a podcast in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think that this is great because... At the same time, as as it's getting easy for you to consume content, there right. is also a massive explosion of how much content is consumed. Right. If you think about it, if you take this back like 30 years, right? We had television. And maybe as a kid, you were allowed to watch television for an hour. 
your parents might sit down and watch television for let's say 2 hours man you have were... horrible parents man that's it i got five i don't know i i <laughs> i don't remember i was i was too young to watch television yeah 30 years ago but the point was that point is that today we consume easily 4 to 6 hours worth of you know content right on the internet on on you know our mobile phones through mm-hmm. netflix whatever it is mm-hmm. we spend considerable amount of time consuming content right and so it's amazing to see that there are you know youtube celebrities now there are um tiktok celebrities now right no and and i think this one things i've been thinking about and what i think was been pronounced in 2020 is that one we know our algorithms are better tiktok is one prime example of that to there too many content creators right now so there's a dispersion of and there's a massive fragmentation of interests so my feed is different from my wife's who is mostly k dramas on netflix mm-hmm. and things like that as opposed to mine when she's cooking shows and crap like that um there's this interesting relationship now that creators can have with their audiences no matter how small so i i, I term it like mass customized intimacy mm mm-hmm. and us in our like i don't know like 50 followers we made a intimate relationship with you guys i think <laughs> for the time that we were yeah. on which is probably mostly like people we know anyway but there's other people who have had like micro influencers has been a trend for the past few years we've been building relationships with just thousands of people as opposed to millions right yeah but now like there's just two the 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 and in 2020 we've probably seen a lot of it happen is that there's a lot more creators in a, in a, in a, in a, a plethora of platforms that have smarter algorithms mm-hmm. so that they're building intimacy at scale yeah right and i think that's a that's that's a good thing as well right, right. like knowledge um having unique angles on world views is no longer a purview of a select few right I think where it gets harder I guess as a culture is that how do you train yourself to be also critical and um rational when you're consuming the amount of content that you do or the type of content that you do and right. ask the right questions off of it. Oh there's not enough education on that. There's enough like a- academic papers to yeah. teach people about those things but no you're right there's not we How do you self-regulate yourself from not watching that next Gordon Ramsay video when you know the eventuality of that is going to be Even me more, as a person yeah. who is generally aware and who has worked in tech yeah um is aware that I'm being sucked in the rabbit hole and I still get sucked in the rabbit hole cuz Correct. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um no which also brings I mean I might as well segue to my point and what I seen slightly unique in 2020 is the rise of I'd say Asia in the cultural in the cultural sphere in 2020. I mean before COVID, you know, like um what was that movie? The Korean the Korean movie won the Oscar. Parasite. Parasite. Yeah. Won that. Oh, great movie. Great fantastic movie. I mean BTS has been huge for a while, but they've been probably the biggest band in 2020. Yeah. Um and they've they've been big despite the pandemic they've been doing live streaming concerts uh fucking they have fan clubs that actually gift them 
stuff. What? You pay to be in the fan. I, I forgot. I guess it's part of the BTS army or whatever shit. But there's a fan club that you join that you... I think you pay for it. But at the same time, you, it allows you to gift a present to one or all of the members. It's like, oh, here's, here's 100 bucks. Here's some fucking flowers for this guy's birthday. I don't what? know what the fuck they are. That, that sounds incredible. But this is so, serious. So and it's, it's not good enough for BTS to be a multi-million sort of dollar selling No, they're, I mean, you saw, you saw the Netflix documentary on Blackpink, right? You know, No, I haven't actually. Watch it. Okay. Watch that. That's like, uh, Blackpink is a girl group, if you're not familiar. They've been big for a while, for years, but... Yeah. Um, they, they finally released a documentary of the behind the scenes of their lives. And you've seen them plucked out from their child, I'd say adolescent years, early teen years, into this world of very manufactured Korean pop music um, where they've been, they, they live in a dorm with their, you know, with their, with their friends, with their yeah. bandmates. They get, they train for dancing, da, 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 da. They build you up. There's a proper, like, process it's not as organic as say how like the bands in the u.s become big where they like they're older they 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 jam they've been jamming on their basement for years they do gigs they just make they do gigs and gigs and there's so many gigs until they become successful no this is a streamlined version that's like it's interestingly like reflective of the modern asian wave of efficiency right which is even to the point of Art is a is is a process that's manufactured. Yeah, mass produced. Mass produced, is, wow. which is insane. You think like Backstreet Boys is mass produced? No, this is much more insane. That's more streamlined than say like got it. Like how in the nineties the Nick Carters and and say Backstreet Boys and Instinct was manufactured. Yeah, like this is insane, and which kind of like okay, like in the media side and the cultural side, things like okay, great. People are taking Asia seriously, um, which is also an, a, a larger kind of ideological shift. Again, kind of, sorry, I'm like stealing your thunder, like segueing to my other point. Like the I, Asian ideology and how it now kind of permeates the world. Yeah. Because you've seen it, many Asian countries handle COVID so well. Yeah. Granted, like there's places like Philippines and India where I we, where we come from there's just constantly fumbling there's places like Singapore Taiwan Korea China actually handling the virus well because of their unique communal ideologies I mean okay you can arguably say like they're authorities like some of them are authoritarian regimes but there's that Asian ideology of like pragmatism and yeah. communalism. I, I think that has been the the biggest sort of um, shift, right? In, right? in the in the way world perceives um, the West. West, East and West. I mean, look what's happening for the longest there. time. The the highest ideals that were talked about, that were propagated, were all about um, individual exceptionalism. It was all about individuality, right. liberties, and freedom, and you being allowed to pursue whatever dream that you have at whatever cost um, that it comes at. Yeah. And and suddenly you see now in Asia where there are countries that follow a lot more um, um, 
greater good for the most number of people right um attitude doing extremely well uh, right. especially in times of crisis in the times of crisis right um there is a anecdote that i i can think about which is that uh in the roman days whenever they were being invaded right democracy would be suspended and one leader would be appointed of to head up the the region and that's kind of what um what is happening with between the responses between east and the west right yeah wherever there were strict rules being applied right curbing of individual freedoms freedoms was in place yeah. which was a good thing that was the the best response that we could have had for a crisis like coronavirus yeah. a contagious disease and you see the west whether it is western I mean, european countries so yeah, the bulwarks yeah, I mean, of of liberty <laughs> and um, freedom struggling to contain those they things still do. because they have a ideological baggage of individualism and freedom yeah, yeah. and america's probably seeing that now with yeah. their with their bloody politics oof so amusing it's wow. so so painful. that has been that has Roller been rollercoaster so okay we are recording this in the early jans we've gone through the election the ups and downs of trump's um lies and Yeah, no. Oh my god. That big ass Brad is just trying to own the election well. They had to recount. He lost that election twice for God's sakes. Yes. They had re- they counted it the first time, they recounted the contested states the second time. He still lost. Plus, he's also getting impeached for the second time. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. I hope I really hope I I, I most of my extended family lives there. I really hope the United States just gets through this. This is a necessary purge or whatever crap they're doing. Yeah, necessary part to help people realize like shit. We gotta shape up our individualistic weight, and they have at least on the the pragmatic side, and probably on the liberal side, liberal quote unquote. Yeah. They they said yeah. like, okay, we really have to sacrifice for the greater good. I wouldn't say that's a uniquely Asian thing, but I'd say America's looking this way and saying like, look at Taiwan. I saw my cousin's wedding in Taiwan. He was in Taiwan. Hundreds of people. No one's wearing masks. Wow! Right, so I was watching it on Zoom. Like that's how we interact with our family now. I guess yeah, but I was yeah. watching it in Zoom, right? No one was wearing masks because they're just doing it. They're just looking to the east, and I was like, "Oh shit! Look at them! Look at them! Why don't we do that?" But yeah, God, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think it has been something where, um, with this sort of rise of the east, has also come in that that um, that fear of the east as well. Right. Um, oh yeah. Whether you think about the trade war that America or U.S. Or Donald Trump was waging on China, yeah, or whether you think about um, just generally the question marks, questions being asked of um, the Chinese, you know, um, policies, foreign policies. Yeah. No. There. I mean, it, it's not just the West. It's also their Asian neighbors. There's that awe. Slash respect and fear, yeah, with China because they're It's a begrudging respect. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're fucking awesome. Stop <laughs> stealing our islands, <laughs> but you're fucking awesome. <laughs> Thanks for selling us cheap shit. Um, uh, <laughs> and I think our... like there is going to be a a um, a bigger wave of of Asia taking that more central. stage on the world culture as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think 
I think, and, and this is I'm not I'm grappling with, is it's easy for Asia to take over the economic stage and even the geopolitical stage, especially China mm. uh, has a lot of, of political and monetary influence. It's easy for Asia to do that. Right. India is another part of that equation. It's the cultural influence that we are still far behind. I don't even know Asia can catch up. I'm not sure what to make of it. Like, because I don't see... I find Korean dramas or Korean culture has been permeating the world for, like, in recent years, right? Yeah. But ideologies of of freedom and and free speech um, and and cult like just kind of just cult, cultural tropes of of but weren't these concepts initially if you think about go back long enough weren't they a very western concept to begin with i don't know right they i would imagine that they find their roots in the neoliberalism well, uh, let's let's put the 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 example of k-pop there's a netflix documentary again again the west kind of doing a show about the east Mm -hmm. but k-pop did start and i remember this fondly in the 90s like k-pop did start with a very hip-hop influence okay right there's a band taiji 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 boys i think is one of the first kind of like korean groups that became big okay right it it has western origins and if you listen to blackpink like and and bts they're still heavily like Western music influence, Blackpink particularly, because I have seen a time when K-pop and J-pop, actually in the time of Japanese pop, yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. like cutie. Oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And it's like, okay, that's very <laughs> uniquely Japanese. Listen to Blackpink, it sounds like a the, the video, they sound like hip-hop superstars. Deep bass, drumming, like, oh. what's that song that my daughter sings? Why you like That's like, dude, they got spunked. Like, okay. they have spunk for, like, cute Asian girls. Which is, I think, they're kind of dispelling that stereotype. Right. They still they still maintain that cute image in a way, but they listen to their songs. Spunky, forceful, aggressive, deep bass, which is, you know, in the hip-hop roots, right? Right. Uh, so there's that, I don't know, I think, I don't know if Asian, I guess Asian culture in its purest form, I don't think will permeate. I think it's Asia borrowing little bits from the West and making it their own and then bringing it back to the world and boom, look, we made it better, we made it interesting. Yeah, and isn't like, I I feel like culture is one of those entities that is just a constantly flowing dynamic. Right, that's true. It goes, I'm not, I'm not, you know, goes both ways. I'm not a sociologist, it's just observations. Neither am I. And, but I still feel like there is a greater recognition um, around the world of Asia and its influence. True, and people no, are even ge- being just geopolitics and e- economy. No question, that is question. And I, it's my question mark is culture. How do we invade that space? Sounds like we're gonna invade shit. I don't like that word. <laughs> <laughs> How do we become part? Think and about, people take us seriously. Think about think about it this way, right? Um, I was I was watching something. I can't remember, but. Um, it was talking about how back in the 90s, um, in London, there was not a single uh, Indian music club. Okay. And come 2010 and 20s, there is an entire underground scene of, you know, 
Indian Bollywood music clubs right in the heart of London yeah and this sort of elements of culture are getting sort of permeated to the west as the migration has gone yes, from that is east to the true. west that uh, is true you couldn't imagine 30 years ago a show about indian marriages Imagine. being aired on to a global audience right that is true i think you probably had to thank slum dog millionaire for that we yeah that's <laughs> I <laughs> absolutely at, at the end of the day that was I mean, my one of my first forays in the Indian media or Indian uh not culture but you know Indian movies yeah content about Indian yeah which is a movie bio yeah. movie was directed by a white guy yep interesting anyway uh and that was very recent like 2008 that was just just 12 years ago right yeah um But yeah, I I I know what you're saying, it's a flowing thing and yeah, but I I guess the trend that I see is like okay, people take Asia seriously in all in newer aspects than geopolitical and economic. Correct. Now culturally we're starting to see people like really taking us seriously. Yep. Um question is how far can we how far will that go and like what are the implications of that? Too easy too early to tell obviously. But I think it would it would just literally depend on um I feel like these days it is so easy to vote for ideas with your um consumerism right like you vote with your money for what kind of stuff you like mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. if you are if half the world is asking for Korean music It's hard for that music to not get passed on to other people, which brings me to I just realized. Remember, there's a lot of these small explode cultural explosions in the world. Mm-hmm. The Latin explosion in the '90s with yeah. Ricky Martin, while yep. Rick, while the West was Ricky Martin. And actually, Southeast Asia was listening to fucking Ricky Martin. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, and I guess there's slight mainstay in, on that one, but like Latin culture is actually like permeated. The rest of the world, but Correct. minus the geopolitical and economic influence that yeah. I'd say arguably they don't have compared to this big Asian bloc. You know? I think eventually it it will come up to a point where if you have a two point three or two point five billion or whatever five billion people in Asia, right, buying certain types of content or. Um, well, well, basically, there's a lot of cross-cultural exchange within Asia in itself that it can become a block, despite correct. the fact that we are dozens of different cultures, correct. Not dozens, like many, like hundreds of different cultures yeah. and, and tastes, and especially doesn't help that, you know, we're talking about digital and how and how there's mass customization in your feeds, like all this stuff just gets really fragmented, right? Yeah, I guess maybe to your point, maybe you're right. Maybe it's what the audience will demand in the future. It, they wouldn't even probably have to demand it, and, right? like and no one. Well, companies will shift based on where the customer base is. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. So it's totally not unfathomable to think that um, maybe fifty years down the line, there is more content being produced about Asian topics or the movies that are set in Asia than movies that are set, set in, in the, the West. West, right? May no, you're right. Maybe it's heading that way. But the thing is we haven't seen 
enough of it yet to say like definitively. Well, let's 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 take a step back, right? Because yeah. we would probably because we are living through it, we would never see like these seismic shifts overnight. Yeah, maybe when I'm old and my grandkids are speaking Korean. But think Korean. about it this way, right? <laughs> and then how many movies from Hollywood have you seen with more and more Asian characters or more and more like I want to I was going to go with Indian characters? And I could name like a few, There's, right? No, like, no. You, you, okay, definitely Hollywood has been more representative of that. Uh, one, in a pragmatic liberal sense. And two, is money related. Correct. Meaning, I just, I, I marathoned, I don't know, four Transformers movies. Yeah. And I've seen an increase in Asian faces in there. Yeah. Because the latter Transformer movies have been sponsored, or not sponsored, have been produced by Tencent Pictures, for God's sake. Correct. So like, okay, yo, we're putting money on this fucking film. You better put a fun bing bing on my uh, on at least the roster of yeah secondary characters, right? And yeah. you've seen that recently. Anyway, that I which brings us to like kind of like Asian influence. Money can actually influence culture in that sense. One hundred percent. I think money influences culture in more ways than. Then we that like we care to, to actually acknowledge. Exactly. Because we hate to acknowledge the fact that money can influence culture. Correct. It does. I mean, let's go back to like the Renaissance era, right? What? Why is there a specific style of paintings or architecture that was propagated right. uh, during the, the Renaissance era? It was because the, uh, the Mariachi family was willing to fund... Stuff that they like. Wait, Mariachi family? You the mean Mariachi. the Medici? Medici family. My bad. I don't even know yeah, why yeah. I know that. You know I know I, that? Uh, yeah. Because I played Assassin's Creed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Medici family. Let me Medici. let me correct myself. Yeah. Not Mariachi. Medici. <laughs> that's, that's Mexico. I know that's Mexico. That's a, Mexic- <laughs> that's a Mexican ba- uh, uh, folk band. <laughs> folk band. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh. <laughs> but yeah, it's... it's it, the Medici family paid... For the stuff that they like. Right. Right? And that was a very specific style that they liked. True. And so true. today the stuff that gets hung up in, in Louvre right. is of that style. And right. that has then shaped sort of our visions of what beauty is and our sort of um Okay, I never tastes. thought of that the money angle and influence kind of factors. Okay, anyway, we we, we, we delve in that topic long enough. Now, I I think that's pretty much what I can figure, like, kind of the main cultural trends. I don't want to talk about, like, oh, we're doing more work from home bullshit and, like, yeah. uh, we're doing a lot of Zoom calls and then, like, fuck, yeah, resilience. Fuck the most obvious shit. Like, yeah, and, I don't want to talk about and it. And I do not want to use the word resilience ever. Yes. Please. <laughs> please. Done, I am it, done with resilience. Yeah. I don't, these I these words actually need to be banned from, like, vocabulary. Resilience. Or there should be, like, a... I, what if there was, like, a... Um, a rationing or a quota of buzzwords that you're allowed to use in a given year. All right, well, right? A, I'm sure there's I think it'll be a great thought experiment to like, if you use resilience one more time, you're out. Yeah. But I, I, I want to ask you one last question before we sort of end this podcast. All right. Um, what do you wish would happen in 2021? What's like your one wish? I know we're talking about Don't, this like, before. And, yeah, and like not about in the most obvious way again. Peace on earth. <laughs> <laughs> and not definitely in the vaccine. The vaccines are coming, guys. We got it. Um, yeah, not the vaccine or peace on earth. That's a little obvious. I don't know. 
Can I get back to you on that while you answer your question? <laughs> For me, I think I, I, I hope that in 2021, we are able to still maintain a liberal worldview despite the fact that we haven't had the chance to travel. Are you we? Know? Like, I wish that people would still go like, we are all one people after all. Right. It's not because I haven't traveled to Asia and I haven't seen, you know, um, oh, that people from my mind, cultures. My, my mind is closed yeah, and yeah. I will forget to be multicultural. I Correct. think we have that benefit in Singapore because everyone, all the foreigners and your local friends are just stuck in one place. So, right. I, Yeah, so... But we're in a privileged position and we're a minority around the world. That's what I'm thinking, right? right? Like... No, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of anti-foreignism happening in respective countries for the practical reason that the borders are closed and we don't want people to... And we're... All all of us are looking sort of inward, right? Like, we're all like... Even as individuals, we are right now looking way more inward rather than reaching out to other people. I, and I wish that, yeah. that 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 part of us that that always wants to reach out right stays there and we remember all the amazing times that we've had reaching across different cultures, different people and discovering ourselves in the process. Yeah. I I agree. I I think I think there's enough technology and stuff for us to to use to help us experience the world. Um, I just wish people... I don't know. My wish for 2021, I wish just people just hang in there some more. Hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to probably wrap up on that note. So Eric's message to the world today hang, is... Hang in there, guys. <laughs> resilience resilience okay no I, I might as well just expand on that I think we should uh, I mean yeah I hate the word fucking world I hate the word resilience but I think that's the only thing we can do 2021 is an extension of what's happening in 2020 it's not done hmm. the, the coronavirus is not done we are not gonna be out there in the world we will still be working from home there will still be economic difficulties we're not going to see our friends and relatives outside the borders of the places you live in. Um, but I guess make the time, I guess, valuable to you as much as you can with whatever have with whatever you have right now in your small corner of the world. Yeah. Like what we did doing the podcast. This podcast helped me discover myself. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you no, just, I, I discovered just, that I can... I can, I can I can hack a five or four mic setup pretty well. Yeah. I think that's the only thing. It made me realize that I could reach out to people from random walks of life. Different walks of life. And ask them for for some time to come and and talk to us. Yeah, and and share their personal lives under a guise of a a fake name. (laughs) Except for one guy. Ooh, you suck, James. You actually said your name. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, that's it, guys. We are going to try to do more of this more often. So we will see you in the next ep. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.